ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the gun racks of Northern Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey, and with me, we have one Drew Poplin. Drew Poplin, and it's just the two of us today for the first time in a minute. How are things going? Going all right. Uh, I'm so sorry. Rachel just texted me asking, do you think you could land a plane in an emergency situation? Too easy. Yes. Gotta do it. Of course. Are you really a man if you answer no to that? That's what I'm saying. So that's a good question for the Gunrock Mafia. Do you believe in an emergency situation you'd be able to land a plane? Yeah. If not, consider... SDI's Certificate in Unmanned Technology. Yeah. (laughs) Let's, I mean, we should probably include the disclaimer that the Certificate in Unmanned Technology Aerial Systems does not include training to land most major commercial airliners, aircraft, I should say, but maybe go to school over there anyway thoughts i think it would be helpful rather like i i don't see how it could hurt your chances of landing a plane in an emergency situation i'm saying though especially as opposed to not taking it and you know not having any other training yep yep yeah yeah yeah. anyway welcome to the gun rack no kidding (laughs) yeah that's my fault i got us off topic joey how have you been doing sir pretty good been doing some work over uh, here at old salem it's kept me very busy and yeah i mean that's really all i got going on oh um having a grand old time and uh love love what i do it's just very busy right now and this is the quiet season so you know for sure for sure Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're going to talk a little bit about some of the gun stuff that's happening at Old Salem. Yeah. Uh, So we're really excited to uh, talk about that. Before we get into that, you want to do some Drew's Clues? Yes, I surely do. What do we got? All right. Last episode's answer was the Caltech KSG. This week, this firearm is a large framed 44 caliber revolver it is manufactured by a very famous company that puts out high quality revolvers um has a weight of 49.3 ounces a width of 1.7 inches and a height of 6.1 inches it fires both single and double action has a barrel length of 6.5 and i don't remember if there's anything else i was gonna add about it um, I'll give the MSRP on that. The MSRP right now is $1,139. If you think you know what firearm we are talking about, I encourage you to please leave a comment or send us an email at marketing 
at sdi.edu. If you are, yep. If you are the first person to submit a right answer, we'll send you a t-shirt for free, which that's pretty exciting. And before we get into the main topic, again, now you may be wondering if this is your first time listening, what's SDI? Well, SDI is short for Sonoran Desert Institute. And Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school that helps students learn the skills and techniques they'll need to be successful in the firearms and unmanned technology industries. SDI is accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission, the DEAC for short. And currently, we offer two different programs in firearms technology. We offer the Associate of Science in Firearms Technology and the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmithing. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about SDI, I encourage you to go to our website. It's www.sdi.edu. There you can find a bunch of information, course catalogs, details on tuition, financial aid, and you can also hear from students themselves about their experience at SDI and why they were happy to attend. Again, that was www.sdi.edu for more information. Heck yeah. Now, if this is also your first time on the podcast or your relative, or you you haven't listened in a while, but just kind of come back, Joey has started a new position at Old Salem, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And a really awesome place. I remember going there as a kid. I think I cosplayed as Paul Revere once there. Gotta do it. Yeah, which doesn't really make sense because I don't think he has any connection to that, you know. He does not. Not that I'm aware of. Maybe very loose. That's all right, though. Yeah, but I had the right spirit. Yeah. Um, But one of the cool things that uh, they have at Old Salem is they have um, have a bunch of reenactors who are very good at their job of reenacting. And most of them, I believe, are, aren't they volunteers? Or at least some of them are. No, those are professionals. I didn't know if they're professional volunteers, like, or if. No. Oh, okay. Those are all workers. But they have a gunsmith there at Old Salem. Yes, sir. And um, Joey's going to talk a little bit about, like, you know, what he's learned and, you know, just a little bit about that from his time there at Old Salem. Yeah, so Old Salem is a pretty darn cool place to be, and I encourage you guys to come visit it. And there is, what is it called? Blue Star, I think. We're a Blue Star Museum, which I believe means, I'm trying not to talk. Give me one second on that. Yeah, okay, I got it. With starting May 20th, 2023 through Labor Day, which is September 4th, 2023, Old Salem will provide free admission to up to five total family members for an active military service member. Obviously, you need to bring your military ID with you to make that happen. There is a veteran's discount, I believe, year year round. But if you're active military, you can come see Old Salem for free right now which is definitely worth checking out. So Old Salem has a lot of very talented tradespeople, and that includes a broad range of people working in traditional and a couple of them industrial capacities. 
we have gardeners, we have bakers that are here all hours of the night trying to get stuff done. We have carpenters, we've got, I mean, really, the if it was done in the olden times, um, olden times, I mean, like 260 years ago, if we don't have it, we have someone who's researched it pretty thoroughly. And uh, anytime we have the opportunity to bring in more experts in those fields, we're pretty excited to do so. In fact, we're talking about an event that we're doing Instead of talking about going out and getting props for this thing, we're uh, talking about getting in touch with the people that can make them here in-house for it, which is really fun. But, of course, the one that we're dancing around is the gunsmith, because that's the one that we're all excited about. So the gunsmiths here at Old Salem are traditionalists. And, in fact, we'll cut out the dead. One moment. One moment. Gosh darn it. Where are you? My man, oh, it's not on Amazon. Hold on, hold on. Okay, so I have a, oh my gosh. I have a blog post from five years ago. Okay. Um, referencing a book. And that's all I've seen of this thing. So the guy's name is Blake. He is, he has literally written the book about uh, what he specializes in. I had the blog or forum post, I guess, on AmericanLongRifles.org says that he and a guy named Michael Briggs were going to co-author a book called The Long Rifle Makers of Salem School. And I don't know if that name of the book survived, but I do know the book got published. So uh, Blake has been operating the 1831 Timothy Vogler gun shop here in Old Salem for a long time. He actually just got a promotion and is kind of in and out now. But I say all of that to say that's how good these people are at their jobs. They literally, they're contributing thought pieces to the larger conversation on these topics, which is pretty dang cool. Um, in fact, I'll make one more attempt at this. Yeah. I, oh, you got it? I did. Um, I know I looked it up by Blake Stevenson. That didn't work. But the Long Rifle Makers of the Salem School is, in fact, what it's called. And it's really expensive because there are only two copies in existence, according to Amazon's what? list. So, yeah, pretty freaking cool stuff. It is, it's pretty cool getting to work with that guy. He's really relaxed. Good stuff. But anyway, Timothy Vogler Gun Shop, we are talking about the creation of black powder firearms, obviously, which technically aren't even firearms according to the ATF, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. They create both percussion cap and flintlock rifles there. I did not see any wheel locks. I actually went looking around hoping that there'd be one hiding, but I mm -hmm. guess this it's a little too late for that. Um, Again, we're talking 1831 opening, which is kind of, for my black powder friends out there, late stage flintlock rifles and starting to phase into percussion caps not too long thereafter. And they make things the traditional way. They have a forge. It is an open air forge. They use a bellows and everything that they do is basically they have to be able to defend it conceptually from a historic perspective. So 
these people are out here forging rifles. I think they get their barrels sent in because Salem gunsmiths could also have their barrels sent in. But we're talking about reducing, you know, wood down, and we're talking about uh, crafting some of the finest and most beautiful black powder firearms you'll ever see. Some of the prettiest firearms you'll see, period, honestly. They create firearms on commission. Just like an artist, they get uh, called up and asked to create certain black powder rifles for individuals that have the pockets to pay for custom-made black powder rifles. They fit the rifle to you. And they take forever to make because as they're making them, they're demonstrating it to visitors here at the museum. So I don't have this confirmed with the gunsmiths themselves, but one of the people who has a pretty good grasp on, on that kind of thing said that they had something like a six-year wait backlog right now. If you commission a rifle, you're waiting six years to make that, uh, to see that thing in real life. So really cool if you have the finances and you have the patience to create something like that they were making one when i was there with a double stage trigger that looked like it should be on project runway walking up and down all by itself but if you ever want to get a glimpse into those people that are trying to live the history of gunsmithing that is the place to be and if the workshop is so tiny but they get anything done it's i mean it's amazing it's a really cool place out of curiosity do they post those pictures anywhere i mean um, I, I, that's a good I question guess it'd be hard think... because yeah you know, there's that six-year wait so you know yeah that's always fun but i will check real quick I suspect that that's going to be my job here before too long because they've created very little, very little uh, gunsmithing content, which, you know, is not how things will be under my benevolent reign. Let me see if I can find something. Okay, they don't, but we have a collection of long rifle swords and related objects used in Wachovia on oldsalem.org if you hop on the collection and research you'll find arms and weapons and this is you know older stuff and things that were actually made here during that time timothy vogler made a lot of stuff and it is it's art it just is it's so cool our photos are if you look at the thumbnails the resolution of our photos are not good if you click into the pages you'll see some really high quality gunsmithing. So that's my, that's my, ad, what is the word I'm looking for? Admonish is not the right word. I would urge you to click on the thumbnails instead of judging them at the cover. Yeah. Um, I'm going to see if I can't fix that down the road, but you know, these things take time. Sure. Uh, so yes, not the custom stuff that they're currently making at the moment. I'm hoping that I need to okay that I can share that stuff online because, you know, guns and it, you know, people can be weird about that kind of thing. But assuming that people don't mind the guns they're having commissioned photographed and shared around, I would love to have the chance to spread that stuff out there because it deserves it. Oh, my gosh, does it deserve it. Sweet. It's so interesting because I remember going there as a kid 
and you've seen the you know reenactors and stuff i had no idea that they were so experienced because you go to something like that and you think oh it's probably like someone that like is maybe retired looking for a little extra pocket change or like it's someone doing a summer job or whatever but from what it sounds like it sounds like they got some top tier professionals they do and there are some people that this is their post-retirement job but I know for a fact that at least one of them, and I would assume more than one, this is their retirement job post a collegiate career. So like, this is where they're retiring after being experts in their fields for decades. Oh, I was the Dean of Wake Forest, but I came over no, here. The director, our senior director of development is the retired director of, I believe it's director of advancement was her title at winston-salem state oh nice a lot of uh, very impressive human beings over here especially our gunsmiths just really good folks and they make quality stuff and again oldsalem.org this is not supposed to be a marketing pitch this is just where the source material is oldsalem.org click on collections check out arms and weapons uh for all of my fans of guns that are also art prepare for a wonderful time. Mm, so good. In fact, let me rattle off just some general info on, uh, on one of these bad boys. All right, so I've got one that's just called Long Rifle. It's by John Vogler. And uh, we know it was made sometime between 1805 and 1815. It is with made with curly maple, silver, and iron, and the barrel is, yeah, okay, I got it. Barrel's 44 and three quarters inches, which is, you know, huge. Overall, 60 and a half inches, so it's five feet long, 36 caliber, which, you know, when I was younger and thought black powder rifles, I thought pretty much exclusively in 50 or 54. Anyway, This one is described as a silver-mounted flintlock long rifle. It's got a single spur on the rear trigger guard extension double set triggers in script on lock with engraving, lock on molding, silver patch box with six piercings and eel patch box head, nine piercings on the toe plate that extend to rear trigger guard extension engraving on toe plate, silver eye-shaped pin escutions, ES. C-U-T-C-H-E-O-N-S. I've never seen that word in my life. (laughs) Wood broken at rear ramrod pipe, restock molding with several incised lines, engraved eight-point silver star on butt plate, a silver plate with engraved eagle on cheek, high molded edge of cheek piece, silver touch hole pick holder, engraved silver plate on molding, high comb with incised line, uh, to set it off from wrist, silver thumb plate, and script on silver plate behind first light. This is a flintlock rifle. Should have started with that. This rifle was made around 1810 for the Revolutionary War hero, Captain Gavin Witherspoon of Darlington County, South Carolina. Witherspoon was a wealthy planter, member of the South Carolina legislature, and famous during the Revolutionary War as one of General Francis Marion's scouts, which is, that's about as Carolinas as you can possibly get. The original cost of this rifle was $125. Ooh, 
which is a preposterous amount of money for uh, for 1810. It was a very expensive rifle at the time of purchase. A rifle descended in the family from Captain Witherspoon to his granddaughter, Jane Witherspoon Evans, and to her grandson, Kendall Witherspoon Evans. And it goes on and on. There's an artist bio that I won't drag you through right now. But, I mean, so cool. So cool. In fact, I'm going to do a what is inflation... Let's see. We're going to go January of, oh, hold on. The Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, does not want me to go back past 1913. Oh, neither does a uh, U.S. inflation calculator. Where do people always get this info? Everyone wants to go back exactly 110 years. Dying over here. I've got some very different inflation guesses, but I'm going with 24.73 times where it's at now, which would put it at about a $3,100 rifle. With that money right now, I could purchase two Galil Aces. That's wild. I still might do it, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> sure, you could have two Galils. But do yeah, they? Yeah, but do the Galil aces have a uh, or yeah. I I truly can't answer that with any level of authority, for I do not know what they are. <laughs> so if you I, know, send us an email, marketing at sti.edu. Tell us what in the world that word means and how to pronounce it, and yeah, how bad we put butchered that. Be terrible either. I mean, hopefully it's a word we don't have to worry about encountering much in the future, but. Uh, Lord, I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, Joey, thank you very much for um, talking about that. Heck um, yeah. I need to visit you at your office one day and then you very much just use that, that as a tour. You know, Rachel's never been to all time. I have to. Oh, yeah. Y'all should come. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yep. And uh, before we head out, I do have a Tales from the Range for you. Do it. This one's from thehighroad.com from user Coyote3855. Says, I was a line coach for the NRA basic pistol class. My shooter had a very new high dollar 1911. When the range officer gave the command to chamber around, he turned the pistol sideways and pointed it right at my belly to rack it. Oh. I told him in no uncertain terms not to do that again. He was offended, probably because he was much older than me and obviously knew what he was doing. During the course of fire, his 1911 would occasionally fail to go into battery, and he would smack the back of the slide with his offhand. I told him that was one way to deal with such a malfunction, but to take his finger off the trigger when he did it. About the third or fourth time, he launched 230 grains through the range roof towards downtown. The chief instructor gave him a certificate of completion anyway. Oh my gosh. That's all terrible. Yeah, that was a that was one of those where it just kept getting more and more bad. This was terrible, dude. That's awful. All of that hurts my brain. I'm curious what kind of 1911 he had though, because he said it was a high dollar one, so Yeah, it's probably a Kimber. Probably. The chief firearm of those who just want to buy an expensive firearm. <laughs> I see. I like to imagine it's like 
it's like a gold-plated 1911. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. And, and he's got two of them, and he's just... That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. I wouldn't say no to that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, that has been this episode of The Gun Rack. Joey, any parting words from you? No. I mean, check out, even if you can't make it out here, I know we're spread all over God's creation here and in our subscriber base. Check out the website and check out these firearms just for some really cool photos. It's totally worth hopping on for like two or three minutes. Anyway, um, that's it for this week's episode, everyone. Have fun, stay safe, and we will see you at the range. See you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.